This healing story of Naaman the leper is a favorite of mine. I heard it in Sunday schools, in Bible story books my mother read to me, and on a vinyl record that we wore out called Great Stories of the Bible, narrated by Wendell P. Loveless with dramatic effects from a Hammond organ. This story is one of 12 tracks, one of the top 12 stories of the Bible, at least according to the Word Records executives. But the high point of this story, whenever it was told, and the moment on the record where the organ swells in a dramatic crescendo, was when Naaman stepped out of the Jordan River, his skin smooth as a baby's, the Bible says. That is, apparently, the miracle that puts this story in the top 12. But I've come to believe that that's not the only miracle in this story. Nor is it even the greatest one. There is astounding power in being present, thoroughly, calmly, attentively present to God's activity in the circumstances around you and in the lives of the people around you. And this great power was wielded in this story by a young slave girl who had been ripped away from her home and family and community in a violent raid that destroyed the life she knew and left her traumatized on multiple levels. Now she serves as a slave inside the house of the military commander who was the leader and mastermind behind that raid. To think that she had it within her, not only to be present to the possibility that back home there was a prophet of God who had the power to heal her enemy captor's disease, but to actually approach her owner, the wife of Naaman, and offer a pathway to his healing is beyond amazing. It's a miracle that strikes me as even more surprising and awe-inspiring than a skin disease that was healed by seven dips in the Jordan River. A traumatized, displaced, and enslaved young girl becomes a primary catalyst for the healing of the most powerful military officer in the kingdom of Aram. There are at least five strikes against her having any power in this story. Trauma, displacement, slavery, ageism, and patriarchy. Nevertheless, she was grounded enough in her own identity as a person loved by Yahweh that she could be present to the suffering of others, even the one responsible for the suffering of her people. There is amazing power in the ability to be present as the story unfolds, we see that the prophet Elisha also exercises the power of presence. He could see the possibility 
that God might be at work in the life of an archenemy of Israel and was open to facilitate Naaman's healing without making any sort of power play. When an enemy is against the ropes, so to speak, as Naaman was, that's the time to reposition, to take advantage of the enemy's weak spot, use it to your advantage. But no, Elisha observed the situation, was present to it, and opened himself to God's doing something entirely unexpected. The only way for us to be fully present is to relinquish some control. I cannot at the same time be actively trying to exert my influence on someone and be fully present and open to them. I may move back and forth between those two things, and there may be legitimate times for both, but I can't do them simultaneously, it seems to me. When it comes to healing of any kind, we need to let go of our urge to control either the process or the outcome. We need to open ourselves to the wholeness that God has in mind, which may or may not be precisely what we have in mind. As we saw in scripture, there is a powerful connection between yieldedness and wholeness, between releasing and healing, between letting go of our pride and anxiety and receiving God's pure gift of wholeness of life. Naaman would have never been healed had he not been able, at least for a few minutes, to let go of his urge to control the circumstances and give in to the muddy waters of the Jordan and to the unknown God of Israel. On this All Saints Remembrance Sunday, we are, as a community and as individuals, revisiting some points of loss and pain and grief and woundedness. The experience that we had or are having in regard to the death of these persons, the nine persons whose pictures are here on the front table, and 260 additional persons listed in our bulletin today, run the gamut from beauty to tragedy, from hurts that have healed long ago to wounds of grief that are still gaping wide open. The stories of our lives in relation to these persons also spans the spectrum from love and goodness and wholeness to complicated pain and tension and maybe even abuse. These 269 
are not all saints in its classical definition. That is, they're not all paragons of purity, but they are real people loved by God and given life by God and redeemed by God. And so we remember them and name them. The road to healing for us in regard to those that we have lost can also be found in the power of being present. Being present with our grief, being present with our anger, confusion, sense of betrayal, and other complicated feelings we may have, and being present with our continuing love for these persons and their ongoing impact on our daily lives. It's a powerful thing to be able to let the varied feelings come without judgment, without pushing them away. It's the same power of being present that we saw in the slave girl and in the prophet Elisha. So today, in the rituals we are about to undertake, I invite us to be present. Whatever that may mean for you today. Be present to your pain and loss and grief. Be present to God's comfort and companionship. Be present to each other. Our time of remembrance has several stages. First, we will remember and name aloud all those from this congregation who have died since All Saints Sunday last November. And then the choral ensemble will sing the words of Romans 8, neither death nor life. And you're invited to join with them on the refrain. The music is printed in the order of worship. And then all will be invited to make your way forward for candle lighting and communion. Instructions for that will follow. Let's now hear the names of the nine who died in this last year. Read in unison the bold print of the scripture as you see it projected on the screen. We remember with thanksgiving those from this congregation whom we have entrusted to God and who now rest from their labors. John Harry Crawl. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. Fidel M. Santiago. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Daniel Tobias Stutzman.
If God is for us, who is against us? For I am convinced that nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Marlene Collins Showalter. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and that at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, then in my flesh I shall see God. Doris Allegra Good Bomberger. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run with perseverance the race before us. Calvin Wall Redekop. Even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. J. Merle Herr. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Doris Souter Boombaugh. We do not live to ourselves, and we do not die to ourselves. Whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Catherine Bomberger Costello. He will guide them to springs of the water of life and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes.